to determine if ally was a title that you were going to add to your bio or if it was going to be a way of life you walk in allyship you are acting as an ally welcome to beyond allyship a podcast that helps humans shift their understanding of what it means to be an effective ally and show up in allyship for marginalized communities Let's get it popping. Hello and welcome to this episode of Beyond Allyship. I am your host, Dr. J-Pop. And today I wanted to share with you a little bit about my own journey in learning how to build allyship with other marginalized communities. If you've seen me on social media, if you've seen any of my courses, if you've met me in real life, you know I'm a black woman. And yeah, it would be easy for me to just talk about my own need for allies, my own need for people to show up to advocate for people that looked like me. Uh, And yes, I still do need those people to show up, but I have experienced enough privilege to know that there are ways that I can show up in allyship for those who are equally, if not more, marginalized than myself. So today I want to talk about what sparked my desire to grow or build allyship with a certain community, what I've learned, and at the end, I have a dope announcement. I completed a project that launched last month and it was birthed out of the desire to show up for others so stay tuned to the end so you can hear all about that but first my own journey so as I said I'm a black woman I was born in Nashville Tennessee raised in the south in a two-parent household with a little brother and a lot of cousins on my mother's side of the family Now, when I was 16, my youngest cousin was born, and he was born three months premature, later diagnosed with cerebral palsy and Asperger's. Now, the doctor told my aunt that my cousin would never walk and that she should just get him a wheelchair, but I come from a lineage of fighters, and that doctor had no clue who he was talking to. I watched her fight. I watched her advocate for everything that my cousin needed, and I really was gaining a new perspective on a different lived experience just simply because someone was born in my family differently than the rest of my cousins. And I know that you know, unconscious bias, bias in general has been unfortunately a hot button issue in in many professional spaces. But I always encourage people to look at your own identity. What makes up you? (laughs) What makes you who you are? And if you really look at how you grew up, where you grew up, who you grew around, uh, who you grew up with, then you can start to see that there may be gaps in the lived experiences that you actually got to watch, that you uh, grew up alongside or went to school alongside. So you may not know everything about every lived experience. (sighs) Shock and awe, I know. But that is where our bias comes from. Our bias comes from the experiences we had. That is our perspective. That is our experience. And it, it, it is 
I can say it is mind blowing when you say I'm going to step out of that and actually just sit and observe and listen and see what another lived experience entails. Um, a core memory I have with my cousin, he was about three years old. We were going to Chuck E. Cheese with family, friends, and a lot of kids. And as soon as he got in the space and I was watching him navigate it with his, uh, he had a, a walker at the time, I realized, man, he's going to need help to play with some of the games. And there's going to be some games he won't be able to play. And I'm watching his friends, uh, you know, run around and play different things and jump in the balls. And I'm seeing, you know, him trying to to keep up. And in that moment, I actually started to compare my own memories of darting around Chuck E. Cheese from game to game with all my friends and just acknowledging that he would not have the same experience that I would was eye-opening for me. And at that point in his journey, I had been able to go to some of his therapy sessions. I had able to see, been able to see him progress. And this was pivotal for me. This Chuck E. Cheese moment was pivotal for me because at this point, there were two things that stuck with me that I have carried with me. One, the doctor just resigned him to a wheelchair without even a thought that one day he would be able to walk. And I ain't like that. <laughs> and two, in some ways, recreation was going to look different for my cousin. And I knew in that moment I wanted to in any way, shape, or form, be a part of better options for kids with disabilities. Now, as he got older, um, I he would go to intensive therapy sessions, mostly during the summer, sometimes during the school year. And I hadn't, I was probably, a, I think I was just coming out of my freshman year in college and he was going to do an intensive in Michigan. And so intensive therapy sessions from the pediatric perspective, there are kids with disabilities who, yes, will go to therapy weekly, but then there there are points in their journey where they could make great gains if they had a more intensive therapy schedule. So instead of going once a week for 60 minutes or twice a week for 60 minutes, they will go anywhere from four to five days a week and anywhere from two to four hours a day. And this can be PT. And usually there's sometimes a combination of PT therapy and occupational therapy working with the kid. Now, when I heard of this, <laughs> my first thought was, how? How do you keep a child? It's not just engaged because we can make, we can help kids play with anything, but you're having to keep a child motivated to work in therapy four to five days a week, two to four hours a day. That's a lot for a child. But I watched these therapists just masterfully keep him engaged and then also navigate those moments of him being tired but then getting him back into the swing of things to start working again. And it was just so compelling. And I remember thinking the physical therapists are kind of like, you know, rebels in healthcare. We're, we are told that, you know, the diagnosis by the doctor and the things that the kid, the kids aren't going to be able to do. And then we get to do the work to really push and see, okay, what, are this child's limits? Are they greater than what is expected or the diagnosis on paper? And it clicked for me that summer. I knew that I wanted to do something in health and wellness, but after watching him in that therapy session in the three, four years before, 
I decided, okay, I want, I think I want to do physical therapy. So when I got back to school, I uh, declared my major as pre-med and pre-physical therapy. I was keeping my options open, Um, got through undergrad, got through grad school, worked my first job straight out of grad school for about two and a half years. And then I finally got to work in pediatrics. Uh, I will never forget that moment. I was so excited. It was my dream job. And it was actually where I had observed my cousin going to therapy for most of his life. So it, it was, I was reaching that culmination of just the beginning of my journey with my cousin and then finally hitting that point where I was going to be able to help kids like him. And when I f- finally got into that space with those kids, I was a- able to learn of more organizations that provided adaptive equipment and also recreational options for kids with disabilities. So organizations like Ambucks, who they provide kids with adaptive bikes. Um, basically, the organization is that they raise the money. And when the children, when they have enough and the child is up on the list, then they buy the child that bike and the child is gifted the bike. And that is so much fun to volunteer. I love building the bikes. I love uh, I love all of those volunteer sessions. Um, adaptive dance classes. I was able to be a part of a committee that puts on an annual, what we call Try My Best Triathlon for Kids with Disabilities. Um, it's a really cool event where you pair a child with a disability with what they are t- called a typically developing child and then an adult buddy. And they actually participate in the triathlon as a team. It is the most heartwarming thing to to watch. And it's I love it because it includes everybody in that moment. And you see the power of all of those identities coming together to complete something so awesome. But something I realized working with my own patients was, okay, therapy can't be the only options for kids to move. Um, I, I was learning more about, you know, the different lived experiences of my patients and them being able to get to sessions and them needing breaks. There were times that it was clear for the mental health of the child who had been going to therapy every week for three, four, five years and the parent who'd been bringing them for three, four, five years. It's time for a break. However, the kids, these kids need to keep moving. They need to stay active. Um, And it brings me to my exciting announcement. Um, June 2020, I received an email from someone at Shambhala Publications asking if I would consider submitting a proposal for an activity deck for kids centered around exercise. And after looking at, you know, the diversity of their authors and the representation, I agreed to meet and discuss the opportunity. And at the end, I was extremely excited. Into that first meeting, I was excited. And I, I agreed to do the proposal. And my one request that was that it was I was able to do it my way. Therapists use activity decks all the time in sessions. Uh, they are a, a, a way of kind of departing from the norm um, and also a great tool to send home with parents because the kids tend to be more engaged with those type of activities. But there were never any decks that had 
representation of children with disabilities, the children that I was working with. So when I said I wanted to do it my own way, I really wanted to include the representation of the lived experiences of the kids that I worked with. And fortunately, that was one of the reasons they were interested in me doing this deck. So they were all for it. So went through the proposal process and it got approved. And when it was time to choose my illustrator... I knew, hmm, I want a woman of color. I know that how the representation in these spaces and I have the power in this moment. I have the privilege of choosing who I'm working with. So that was the demographic that I looked for. And in the second round, I will never forget, I saw this portfolio that I loved. Um, her name was Addie Rivera Sanda. And I went to look at her Instagram, saw all of these illustrations of kids with social and environmental justice mes- messages. And I knew she was going to be able to bring my words to life with her gift. So submitted that proposal November 2020. It was approved in January and a little over two years later, on February 14th, 2023, the Get Moving Activity Deck for Kids launched. Created this deck as a tool for kids to be able to use their imagination and learn all of the ways their bodies can move. Uh, Also a way for children with disabilities to see themselves in the illustrations and in the activities and uh, and, uh, for other children to be able to learn about movement diversity and assistive devices. There are kids with different skin tones, hair textures, eyewear, hearing aids, cochlear implants, limb differences, prosthetics, um, all the things. And I'm just so excited that this is actually in homes right now. And kids have been so excited about the activities and loving the illustrations. I also consider that the best way for kids to know how to advocate for what they need, because I truly believe that we are our own best advocates, um, you got to learn to sit and listen to your body. And I know that's something that I was not trained in as a child. What does your body need? What does your body say? What does your body feel in this moment? And what does it need? So I was able to put prompts throughout the decks for kids to be able to check in with themselves. Um, Prompts where we talk about emotions and feelings and that it's okay to feel things, but it's not okay to sit in anything that makes us feel bad. And Kids will be able to name their emotions and what their bodies need in relation to movement. And last, but of course, never the least when it comes to me, there are so many children who don't live in areas where it's there's a park or there's even a safe space available for them to play and be active. Um, and I wanted this deck to be a part of bridging gaps across intersections of ability, socioeconomic status, race, ethnicity, gender, and instilling the value of movement and play for this generation and generations to come. And this truly is dedicated to my cousin, Devin Bardo, because if it was not for him, I honestly wouldn't have chosen the career path that I did. I wouldn't have been able to learn the amazing parts of this community and also learn exactly what I can do to show up in allyship for those kids with disabilities. 
So what I will say my most valuable lessons that I've learned in my journey in allyship, you know, I always say it is never, there's never a destination in this. I will always, always, always be open and curious. And I've learned that one, when you let curiosity and care for others lead you, you really don't worry as much about getting it wrong or saying the wrong thing or even making a mistake. Because honestly, your goal is to not get it right, but get it, get the person, get what the person is trying to say, what the person is in need of. Um, two, I learned that wanting to be in allyship with a community that you are not a part of means spending time in the community, spending time listening and letting them lead you where they want to go. I always say I don't lead. I, I, I'm behind you. <laughs> I'm behind you when it comes to advocacy, because what I think you need is really not as important as what you need. So that is a big one for me. And it conditions you for when you're advocating on the community's behalf and there's no representation present. Um, that is a big, that's a big thing because unfortunately everybody doesn't understand. You got to invite them to the table. You can't just assume what a marginalized community needs. And if you are spending time in the spaces with them, if you are, you know, paying attention to lived experience and listening to what they want their advocates to say, then if they're not in the room, you know exactly what to do. And the last lesson I will say that's important is I will always be learning. So I choose to sit with a learner's disposition. Now, my call to action today is consider the spaces and the rooms that you feel safe in. Take some time. You know, I love a good timer. Pull out a, you know, five-minute timer, three-minute timer, whatever you got, and just write down all of the, the recreational spaces, the community spaces that when you go into, you feel a part of. You don't feel othered. You don't feel any part, any marginalized identity you hold. You don't feel in that space. You feel seen. And I want you to step outside of yourself and see who's not present and also see who may be present but doesn't feel seen or heard or safe and Figure out what you can do to advocate for that person so that that space is more tailor fit for them. That is my call to action for you. Now, next time, the next episode, I'm very excited. I brought on the illustrator of the Get Moving Activity Deck, Addie Rivera Sanda. And we had a candid conversation um, about her own journey in allyship and why she does what she does so absolutely amazingly. And I'm really excited for you all to tune in to that episode. As I said, the deck is out. It's called the Get Moving Activity Deck for Kids. You can find it on Shambhala Publications website. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Walmart.com. You can find it on BarnesandNoble.com. And hopefully soon it will also be in certain stores. I will keep you all updated and I will make sure that I link everything in the show notes. Um, I will continue to share about my own allyship journey because I feel that my allyship journey and my need for those who are allies and advocates is what makes me um, able to talk about this stuff, um, being able to see both sides of the coin. 
So I'm always excited to share what I'm learning because it's just, it is powerful to walk in allyship with other communities. And honestly, it makes your life more rich for the wealth that you are bringing in with these different lived experiences. So you have your call to action. You have your lessons. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will see y'all next time. Dr. J-Pop is out.